come to God's Word now in the book of John, chapter 1. The Word made flesh. We'll read John chapter 1, verses 1 through 18. I'll be reading from the NIV version, and the words are on screen, though I invite you to open a Bible or device wherever you are to follow along. In the beginning was the Word, <clears throat> and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was with God in the beginning. Through him all things were made. Without him nothing was made that has been made. In him was life, and that life was the light of all mankind. The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness has not overcome it. There was a man sent from God whose name was John. He came as a witness to testify concerning the light, so that through him all might believe. He himself was not the light. He only came as a witness to the light. The true light that gives light to everyone was coming into the world. He was in the world, and though the world was made through him, the world did not recognize him. He came to that which was his own, but his own did not receive him. Yet to all who did receive him, to those who believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God. Children born not of natural descent, nor of human decision or a husband's will, but born of God. The Word became flesh and made His dwelling among us, and we have seen His glory, the glory of the one and only Son who came from the Father, full of grace and truth. John testified concerning Him. He cried out, saying, This is the one I spoke about when I said, He who comes after me has surpassed me because He was before me. Out of His fullness we have all received grace in place of the grace already given for the law was given through Moses, and grace and truth came through Jesus Christ. No one has ever seen God but the one and only Son, who is himself God and is in closest relationship with the Father. He has made him known. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Do you ever wish that the Bible came with pictures? I don't mean one of those children's Bibles with uh, the drawings of Jesus and whatever in, in it. Uh, imagine more like the Bible came straight down from heaven uh, by an angel's hands written on these shiny golden tablets. And imagine the, the words are written on there and then there's these beautiful carved images on the gold tablets. And all you have to do is copy the images down on paper and write and translate the words down. And that's God's word. But uh, to be clear, that's not exactly what we believe concerning the inspiration of Scripture, concerning how we have God's Word. We believe that the Holy Spirit inspired human beings long ago to write down the Word of God. And the Spirit shepherded that Word through the centuries, through the faithful care of the church. And that same Spirit is active, opening our ears even now to hear God's Word, to apply it for our own times and lives. But I think sometimes it would be nice to have some pictures especially for the Gospel of John. Because it, it's so beautiful and, and so confusing at the same time. Uh, one of the commentaries I use is done by a Jewish and a Lutheran scholar together. And the Jewish scholar is not very familiar with John 1.1 1, 1, uh, because it's not in the Jewish scriptures. And she read as far as verse 1. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God and she stopped. She got confused. She said, I have to draw a picture of this. So she drew a diagram. In the beginning was the word, and it ended up looking like a whole bunch of circles interlocking together. 
Maybe that worked for her, but uh, they say a picture is worth a thousand words, but sometimes the words of Scripture can, can kind of show us the mystery of what God is telling us without nailing it down quite like a picture would. And I think John 1 fits in that category. John is giving us the, the main point of his whole gospel that we'll be hearing for the next few months until Easter. He's saying Jesus is the Son of God. That's the main idea. And he's also giving us uh, some hints of some of the themes that he'll be covering over the, uh, uh, through the gospel. This light and dark, uh, acceptance and rejection of Jesus, knowledge and grace and truth. And as always, as we come to the gospel of John, there's a lot more than meets the eye. And John sometimes will kind of hint at this grand idea without quite making it explicit. But unfortunately, the problem in John is that a lot of people do not understand Jesus. They do not welcome him. The presence of the word made flesh among them is not enough for people to understand him. The people don't get it. They don't understand who he is. And because of that, they don't hear his words. They don't understand why he does these miracles and signs. Most people just don't get it. Now, if only Jesus had hired a a town crier to go in front of him and and proclaim, this is the Son of God, the Word made flesh, the one who was with God in the beginning. Oh, wait, actually, he did have one of those. That, That was the role of John the Baptist, who came before Jesus, right before him, and he pointed to the Messiah. He also made it very clear that he was not the one. So John starts his gospel with this phrase, in the beginning And it doesn't take much to remember another part of the Bible that starts kind of that way. If you go back to the beginning, to Genesis 1-1, it starts with, in the beginning God created. In the beginning. And that's intentional because John is trying to point us back to the word at creation. God's word exists before creation. The word was close to, was nearby, was with God. And if that's not clear enough, he says the word was God. The Word is the way that creation happens. Everything exists because of the Word. The life and light and everything come because of the Word of God. And at this point, you might be ready to keep on going because you may have heard these words a lot of times and they're so familiar to you. But imagine what first century Jews or Greeks might have heard with these words. They might have stopped right here a little bit confused. What is John getting at? See, to a Jew, it sounds like Jesus is saying something about the the word of God, that same word of wisdom and truth that shows up at creation, that that God's wisdom shows up in the book of Proverbs, like a a, a personified by a woman who calls out on street corners, who seeks after fools to make them wise. Wisdom gently corrects and guides people. The word brings life. So far, so good, uh, say these first century Jews. Uh, We we know what that means. There's no problem there. And a first century Greek would have an idea for this too, a a whole category. Oh, that's the word, they'd say. That's the logos. I know what that is. That's the the essential principles of the world. It's the world of ideas and truth and beauty. It's the way things ought to be. That word gives life to our imperfect world, this world of the flesh and bone and substance that we live in. Ah, but the gospel... The good news is foolishness to the Greeks and heresy to the Jews because John says the word became flesh. And that is the problem for them. To a Greek, the word, that perfect philosophical principle of the world, cannot have anything to do with the flesh. It should not become corrupted by entering the world of flesh. It makes no sense at all. 
And to a Jew, the, the word of God, the very being of God, cannot be separated from God into this person that comes into flesh, into the world. And that's why that John says that light came into the darkness, but the darkness has not grasped it. The darkness, the, the world, the way people think things work, just can't get a hold of the idea that the word was made flesh. It can't understand it. It doesn't fit into the categories of Jews or Greeks, so it doesn't exist. The, the word, the light, just doesn't make sense to them. And I think it's not all that different for us today. Uh, people just don't understand the word. I don't mean that biblical knowledge is at an all-time low, although it certainly is the case. Uh, th- this week, I, Mary Jo Troyer, who comes into our church once a month to lead Bible school classes for children from the local public school, uh, she told me that a kid said something funny on the way up the hill from the Ellsworth Community School. This little boy said, asked a question to her. The kid said, now, uh, Jesus and Satan were brothers, right? Jesus and Satan were brothers, right? And Mary Jo kind of wrinkled her brow and wondered what to say. You know, she didn't want to shut the kid down or make him feel bad, but she wanted to tell him the truth, to tell him what, what the right thing was. So she said simply, no, that, that's not right. Now, she didn't go into all the details we know from John 1, 1, how the Word existed before all things were created, uh, how, how Satan was a created being, uh, an angel who fell away from God into evil. So Satan and Jesus can't possibly be the, the brothers. But that's one of the reasons we host those classes at our church. We host them to welcome uh, children into, the, into church and, and give them a bit of understanding of God's Word and of the Gospel. Because people just don't know that much about the Bible these days. But I think worse than that are the people who think they know the Bible, who think they know the Word made flesh, but they are so far off the mark. Uh, Some people might say that Jesus was only a a good teacher, a a human being, a moral guy. Or others might say that God's Word uh, speaks to them now, but the things that they're hearing are nothing like we read in the Scriptures Uh, Things that justify violent attacks, things that give themselves permission to abuse people, things that separate them from the church universal. All of these are warning signs to us. Stay away. And I think if we're honest with ourselves, we don't understand the word made flesh all that well either. Maybe not out of ignorance or or malice. Uh, uh, For me, I think I don't understand the word made flesh because it's such a mystery. Uh, that doesn't mean that I don't keep trying to understand it, but I want to know, to grasp onto this word. And I think it's going to take me a lifetime of, of searching the scriptures to co- comprehend this mystery of the incarnation. How the word of God, the eternal and one with God, somehow becomes flesh and dwells among us. That is the mystery to unfold all mysteries. So what about you? Do, do you know the word? Do you understand the word made flesh? Do you want to know the mystery of the Word? The beginning of the Gospel of John is a mystery, too. It's a mysterious version of the Christmas story. It's a birth story, but there are no angels bringing messages. There's no Mary and Joseph. There aren't any shepherds. There's no manger, but there is a child. There is a baby. There is the Word made flesh. And John shapes his version of the Christmas story around the act of creation. How God makes everything by his word. And uh, first he makes light and light shines in the darkness and somehow shines on everyone and makes things clear. And the light, the word, comes into the world. But somehow creation falls into sin and darkness and the world does not recognize the light, says John. 
as that word by which everything was made. The world doesn't understand the light. The world doesn't receive or welcome the light. And yet, there is hope for creation. Because as John says, whoever receives the word becomes a child of God. It's this Christmas story, a birth story, born not of human flesh or of human plan, as he says, but born of God. God gives birth to new life, to to light, to uh, the word for his people becoming human in the flesh. In verse 14, the, the heart of this passage says, the word became flesh and made his dwelling among us. And that word dwelt is really a, more like uh, he pitched his tent or he tabernacled among us. Because the, the story of creation, uh, by the way, is also the story of the tabernacle, the story of the temple, how it was intentionally designed to reflect God's work in creation. And it becomes this holy space set apart by God for God. But when the word becomes flesh, he tabernacles among us. The holiness, the the glory of God becomes flesh and blood to us. And God's glory is not just in the middle of the camp of the people of God anymore. No, God's glory is with us in the body of Jesus. And that is glory. God's glory revealed to to the one and only Son, through the one and only Son who became flesh. And John makes a point to tell us that this Son of God is full of grace and truth. Now that's curious because the word grace doesn't appear anywhere else in the book of John, but here in the first chapter he uses it four times. Why is that, I wonder? Well, I think it's maybe because the Son of God embodies God's grace in the flesh. You see, Jesus Christ, he is the word made flesh. He is grace incarnate. So John doesn't need to talk about grace in the rest of his gospel because Jesus himself is there. Everything he does, everything he says embodies grace. His parables are words of God's kingdom grace. His healing touch, his miracles, the the water and the wine and the bread and the fish, these are signs of God's grace. And his words of wisdom and truth, it's all grace, everything he does. And John also points out that the grace of God has been a part of this story for a long, long time. God's grace in the word goes all the way back to creation, uh, to the word through whom all things were made. God didn't have to make anything at all. And yet somehow, in God's triune being, a Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, God overflows in this gracious word that says, let there be light. And there was light, and it was good. And God's grace was there before Je- uh, through Jesus as made clear in the law. See, God, God gives his law to his people as a way of teaching them how to live in the way of grace. And yes, it showed them that they could never quite live up to it on their own, uh, which is why God sent the word to become flesh. Uh, they, needed, they needed more of God's grace. And out of this fullness of God, we received the grace upon grace. The grace of the word made flesh surpasses the grace of the law. And that is the amazing, overwhelming grace of John. The word of God became flesh and dwelt among us. Wow, God would do that for me? For me, yes, my child, for you. There's an old uh, French Reformed baptism liturgy that uh, we used at Abram's baptism this summer that says this. For you, Jesus came into the world. For you, he died and conquered death. All this he did for you, little one, though you know nothing of it as yet. We love because God first loved us. 
And that's what John is all about. The word became flesh that we might love God. And it might not make sense to some people. It might be foolishness to the wise and the worldly. But it is God's grace made flesh in the person of Jesus Christ. And all this fall we've been hearing about the word of God. How God's word spoke at creation. Be. And how God's covenant word with Abram and Isaac and Jacob said, I will be with you. How God spoke through the prophets. Now hear the word of the Lord. And how just last week we heard Isaiah say that God's word never returns empty, but always comes back fulfilling God's purpose and God's desire for the world. And that is why the word became flesh and dwelt among us. Grace, or as John says, grace upon grace upon grace. Because it's the grace of the word revealed to us in the word made flesh in the person of Jesus Christ. He is God made flesh who dwelt among us. And once again at the end, John reminds us that the Word and the Father are one. They're in close relationship with each other. And the point of all of this is revelation and knowledge and understanding of God's grace. Now sometimes as we hear a story, a picture might make that story come alive. And I have no picture to show you of the Word made flesh because I think God is giving you that picture in your heart by His Spirit. But I've been reading some uh, fun, easy picture books uh, to my son Judah lately. Books by Beverly Cleary. Ones like uh, Henry Huggins, uh, that boy with the dog who carries him home in a cardboard box. Or Ralph S. Mouse, this little mouse that zooms down the hall on his motorcycle. Or the Ramona series, that little girl who has her own world all in her head coming to life. And these books don't have very many pictures, mostly words, but every few pages there's this simple line drawing of a scene from the book, and somehow it makes it come to life. You see Ramona's straight brown hair, you see Ralph S. Mouse zooming down the hall, you see Henry and Ribsy trying to get on a bus, and it's enough to make the story come alive. And these characters when they're carefully told, become more than just ideas. They seem to have life. They seem to have their own world going on of ideas and feelings. And it, it makes total sense that Henry will do anything to get his dog home or that Ramona is not just a pest but a, a totally reasonable four-year-old with a whole lot of things going on in her head. And Ralph S. Mouse, well, he can only be understood by kids who love machines, who can make those noises to drive the cars and motorcycles down the road. Because it's the power of the word, of sound, to make a a toy motorcycle zoom off into the distance carrying this little mouse to a grand adventure. Now the word became flesh and dwelt among us. And we have seen his glory. And it is God's glory. It's the grace of God made known in the person of Jesus Christ. And that's the mystery of Christmas. That's the wonder of grace. That's the good news of the gospel. Jesus is the Son of God made flesh. God's own Son, who was with God before all things were made, becomes human like us so that we might know and be known by God. And just try drawing a picture of that. I don't think we'll ever be able to do it, and I haven't found one that quite captures it, which is why God's Spirit speaks His Word of life into our hearts, even now as we hear it. And that, dear friends of Jesus Christ, that is grace upon grace upon grace. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen.
God of all grace, you who sent your Son into the world to be, become flesh among us, we, we marvel at the wonder of your grace. And we don't understand all that goes on in the incarnation, but we want to gaze at the mystery with wonder and joy. And we pray that as we come into this season, this week of Christmas, that we may understand more what it means that Jesus Christ became flesh and dwelt among us, that we may see his glory. So we pray by your spirit, reveal your glory to us, not just today as we hear your word, not just as we sing songs, but as we go out about in your world, we want to see your glory because we want to know Jesus Christ, the word made flesh who is with us. God, we pray, send your spirit among us that we may know Jesus Christ more and more and follow him, seeking his word, understanding his word and how it changes our lives and hearts. We pray this in Jesus Christ and by the power of the Holy Spirit. Amen. As a response to the scripture, we'll sing a song called uh, 